Welcome back, everybody. And Bobby, I am anxious to get back to talking about crowdsourcing and how to create the unique demand for your product and how to use these systems to gather the capital you need to get started and deliver your product. There's so much to this. One of the things we need to discuss is um, being unique. Why? Why? Uh, well, because everyone likes the same old, same old thing, right? <laughs> well, let's see. Maybe, okay. maybe there why is. we have eight X-Men titles on the racks right now, or however there, many there is. There is a lot of truth to that. Everyone, uh, if something is so common and so popular, well, there's a reason it's popular. Okay. But people are always asking, I'm looking for something new and exciting and different, but so many people want something new and different as long as they're already familiar with it. Well, you know what? Something just popped in my head. Wow. That's scary. Um, To get into a comic shop, you've got to sell the store owner first. Yes. That's your main before you can get into the fans. That's your first customer. When you go to a Kickstarter or crowdsourcing, you get, you get to sell directly to the fans. So it's it's a bigger reach because now you don't have to sell one person to maybe, if you're lucky, sell five copies. Now you got to reach out to five people to come in and buy your merch. But I think the overall is much more profitable, as we're seeing with, with uh, Brian Polito and Bill Tucci's Kickstarters. Much more profitable to reach directly. But I have a feeling it's probably more satisfying, too, as creator, to work directly with that fan base. Well, there's a lot more work to it because you have to supply, okay? In a traditional working for a comic book publisher, you write your script, you draw your issue, you pencil, you ink, you turn in your work, and you get a paycheck. And then you start – And You said you have to actually do the project if we do a crowdfunding? Oh yeah! Not only do you have, but not only do you have to finish writing, drawing, inking, doing your work. Now you have to make sure that what you did gets to the person. Okay. Yes. In a finished product. Okay. Right. Uh, you ha- you're you are responsible for manufacturing, for storing, for shipping. Okay. All of this comes upon you where all of that middleman work that, oh, it just cut out the middleman. You have so much more profit. You also have a lot more work. Well, you don't cut out the middleman. You become the middleman because there's still stuff exactly. that has to be done. Yes. Yeah. That's what people yes. forget. There's a reason the middleman does get paid. Okay. You know? Yes. So yes, it, it, you're, if you're doing that, a good part of your time will be spent in fulfillment and you know, well, I could be just writing and drawing the next issue. Well, someone's got to do that work, okay? And if you're going to get all the money for that work, you have to do the work too. Sure, sure. It's probably why some of these creators are doing either quarterly or six months or even just a project once a year because of the time of fulfillment and then creating the next project. Time time allotment is very important. But we, it, we, you go ahead. But it also gives you the time to do a very quality project. A lot of people who are working in the regular industry – or have to churn out so many pages to fulfill monthly your uh, titles that you know. Well, if they had more time, I could do I could do a better quality. But it becomes time versus production, you know, versus how good it can be. But if you have if you can make more money per project, then you can spend more time and give the best quality that you can to it. Yeah, 
and you can't you know not many creators can take three months to produce an issue if you're independently publishing and you're crowdsourcing you're going to take three months to publish an issue from the time you create that issue to you print that issue to you ship that issue uh, you got a month in running the Kickstarter itself. You're taking three months or longer, um, yeah. unless you got one heck of a studio around you. But then you got more cost, so you got to outweigh the cost and how many hats that you personally wear compared to, you know, building a big team around you. I think you'll find that most people who are successful at Kickstarters do have a team that they work with. Okay. Yes. It can be family, friends. Okay, um, but you you can't do it all on your own. You can't. Well, you know, what I've found out is that you don't feel like you ever have any creative time because every other business aspect takes precedence. And if you have family or anything else that would like to see you of an evening or anything like that, then there is like very little creative time set aside. So, yeah, it, it helps when you bring in other people to help keep things moving along and take on, take on some of the hats that you've decided to wear. Well, it's if you want this to be a business, you have to realize that it is a business and there is a balance between business creativity and a personal life. And finding that balance you know, is a constant struggle. Yeah. Oh, the thing is, we brought up in, in a previous podcast that Brian on his latest Kickstarter, um, Lady right. Death, Blast Me Anthem, made 300 and some odd thousand dollars. Well, he has a team, I know, of at least probably six to eight people working for Coffin Comics right now. So he has salaries to pay, too. So any creator come on and says, man, that creator made that? Well, if you look at all the individual artwork that was paid, all the production was paid, all the different merch that was created for it, and then the team that made that and got it to you and all the promotions, a lot of that is ate up in the process. So, yeah, it's cool that a single comic can bring in that kind of money. But that single comic, along with all the merchandise, probably ate up a good chunk of all that money also. Right. But he's by doing this, Brian Polito is taking complete creative and business control. He's raising the capital. He's spending it as he sees fit. Okay. Yes. Uh, he's cre fulfilling his own creative vision. Okay. Under his own terms. But he's enough of a businessman to realize that by doing that, there's the downside is you have to do the nuts and bolts of making sure the production, overseeing production, overseeing the actual you know manufacturing of product and shipping of product. And not all of those are the fun parts of it. But when you step back and look at the entire project that you've done from beginning to end and the number of people that you've made happy, you have, I think it's much more creative control and it's much more fulfilling to know that this is your project and you did it on your terms oh i agree i agree no nobody questioned whether you could put it out or not except you and you know we i think we stepped on this last time but brian himself we keep coming back to brian because he's been very successful not on just one but he's been very successful on several crowdsource crowdsourcing um projects yes and so, this, well, you're, you're probably a very good point there are some people who do it successfully once and can't recapture it yes and and the ability to be able to come back to that audience and keep them satisfied and keep them giving um not the exact same product but but something new and different and exciting each time that's that takes a lot of skill 
I think another thing is his timing, and I haven't gone through to see how often he does one. If he does one a year, if he does two a year, but also you got to come back and say how often can I tap my fans' wallet for ten dollars, fifty bucks, a hundred dollars? How often can you come back and ask for more and more and more? I would think if one of your if your major pledges are based somewhere between forty and sixty dollars, you're going to be able to hit that fan up maybe once every six months. Maybe every four months, because um, they have other projects that they're interested in too. You're not their sure. only creative, you know, person that they're sub- following and supporting. Right, exactly. But how do you create that kind of demand for your product that people are willing to spend that kind of money? It's one thing to walk in your local comic shop and see a book that oh, that's four dollars. Um, it's new. I'll give it a try. How do you get someone who's not only willing to spend four dollars but forty dollars on what you have to offer? Well, I've known Brian for over 25 years, and he's been a rock and roll star. He's built this following, carried it along, and throughout, before there was social media, there was conventions and and emails, and he was able to keep in touch with the fans. I see it, Brian, at the biggest shows there was. I've seen Brian at some very small shows, and his tables were always crowded. So he is constantly reaching out. Another creator we haven't said a whole lot about is Bill Tucci. He's done the same thing. I saw Bill at every, he's been at every show you could think of, selling his prints, promoting his current projects, and now he's out doing a She anniversary issue. Um, he hasn't done an issue of She in a long time. There again, he brings a solid fan base with him that's willing to support him. So, well, Bill is not, no, mm-hmm. not only an amazingly talented artist, but he's a fun and charismatic person to be with. I mean, just you know, he creates that excitement. Just being with Bill is fun. I mean, he oh. he he, he uh, embraces his fans. He has so much fun with them. Okay. His energy is just crazy. Okay. Yeah, he it, is packed with energy, and just it's amazing because he loves what he does, and he loves that you know interacting with the people who appreciate him. You know, oh and, yes. You know, he gives back more than he gets. Okay. Oh, definitely. But there again, these are two guys who have built a following. Currently, how can you do this being a total newbie? Never had anything out in the in the shops. Okay. Well, you're doing some conventions. Go ahead. We'll pull back just a second and look at their particular work. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian's work distinctive. There's nothing else out there like it. Okay, there's not a ton of people trying to imitate the style of books that he does because he does it so well and it's so you know iconoclastic. Um, Billy Tucci's art style is outstanding. It's different. Okay. He brings in, um, art influences that are outside of the mainstream comic books and incorporates them into really exciting imagery. He is a unique talent. You would not put Billy Tucci on an average, you know, Marvel or DC, you know, superhero book. It would look odd. It would look wonderful, but it's, it's Mm -hmm. so different and unique type of artwork and storytelling, not everyone's going to like these people. They're ha- you're going to have a lot of people who look at their work and go, I don't get it. I don't understand it. On the other hand, the people that do get it, that do understand it, love it and are passionate about it. Another thing is we got to remember is I'm looking at these two projects and both of these projects came out of those 80s, 90s, late 80s, 90s, bad girl era. And somehow yeah. these two projects survived. Why? Because the creators behind them was very, you know, very majestic, very loving what they did and believed in their projects and carried it on forward. 
because right. you know bad girl stuff sort of died off you know well, it wasn't what was popular anymore no but they maintained a loyal fan base because of the higher quality and because their involvement with their fans there's all of these things have to be part of the equation okay you yes. can't just have high quality and not fan engagement or else you just kind of disappear and like, oh, well, yeah, whatever happened to him, you know? Mm-hmm. But well, the good thing is social media, we can build fan engagement. So in social media and email and newsletters, you can you can build something like that yourself. Not as personable as conventions, but you can. You can build it up. But you also have to supply something that's different. If you are offering what would look like a regular Marvel or DC superhero book on Kickstarter... I don't think you're going to do too well because that demand is already being met at your local comic book shop. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. They're walking in the shop seeing what 30 titles a week. That's all superhero, superhero based with the same concept. So so what is working on sites like Indiegogo and Kickstarter? It's a little bit of everything. You see creators like Brian and Billy, who's brought their bad girl, Comics from the 80s and 90s kept it going and being very successful. And then you get, then there's this group of crowdsourcing creators, I'm going to call them. And these guys are creating comics and they're supporting other ones. So you might see a creator. I just supported one, some friends with Lisa and Brandt. And I noticed that Lisa had supported 61 other Kickstarter projects. Does that make a difference that you are supporting having people support your product? Do you think? I think it does because it's sort of like the comic book atmosphere. You know, you're like, you know, and I noticed that they share other creators who currently have projects on there. And these guys aren't bringing in 50 or a hundred thousand dollars, but they're bringing in enough to finish their projects. And it, you know, with their hopes of growing the audience along the way as they do future issues. So I think, you know, you talk about so-and-so comics and then everybody's doing stuff like Brant and Lisa, they stream and they stream, they talk to fans that put it out there on live YouTube and live Facebook and they have an audience that jumps out there and sees it or sees it later on recording. So then those fans not only see Lisa's and Brant's project, but they hear about the other projects from other people that they're associated with or know or have supported. So I think... By building that community and being part of that community, it does help you to maybe reach an audience. And the whole concept is reach an audience and then building that audience into fans. So by doing that, you're uh, you know just growing. And so, yeah, do you, do you have to go out and support Kickstarters? No, you don't have to. But it doesn't hurt. And I'll be honest, I've supported some really cool projects over the years on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And have really enjoyed them. Never been disappointed at all. Well, people like um, the superstars we're talking about, like um, Brian and Billy, created a market, created a fan base in the direct market, and then later brought that into crowdsourcing. So if you're trying to start out as an artist, you, you don't have that at your back already. But you can start smaller, get a project funded, get that out. That gives you enough money left over to start another project and another project and roll over some of these funds. Okay. Yes. If so, if you make, if your goal is $5,000, you know, to create, this is what you actually need to create and get this project out. 
if you make six or seven thousand dollars, you don't go and take a vacation. You roll that money over as capital into your next project, so you don't need to raise as much exactly. you know, in your next Kickstarter. You know, bank that money and keep that as capital investing in your projects. But one successful project leads to another, to another. Yes, and, and the biggest thing is to think about when you're doing crowdsourcing is. Yes, if you make over your, your amount, it'd be best to bank it. Two, complete your project. Complete your project early if possible. Get it to the fans. And three is communications. There's a chat board or I don't know exactly what it's called, but there's a way to communicate communicate to, to people who's pledged, to your sponsors. Keep them informed on every step. Um, my youngest is really in D&D. And we've supported two or three D&D programs on Kickstarter. And they're one, I think we're up to like 50 updates. And they're on time. They're just showing us stuff on every, these are the dice. And this is the color we picked. And this is that character design. And these are the miniatures. And we get our map in every step. They're sharing it with, and it makes you feel involved. Um, it makes it, you really feel like you're part of that studio and you're there with them. So it's just really great concept. So is that involvement that fans feel part of the entertainment value that they're getting? I think so. I think so. I sponsored a um, Stephen Emil, the uh, actor from Arrow. He did yes. a movie and was sponsored on Indiegogo. I think there was like $3 million or something crazy. I did it. And I felt like with all the updates that him and other cast members were doing, I felt like I was a part of that movie more. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you can be a part of, uh, of everything. I think the updates really get you involved. I mean, the updates are like emails, you know, there can be anything communicating, keeping people up where you're being at, you know, f new pledges, new offerings. So I, I think so. I think getting people involved now on the flip side, creatively, that's more time. Can you bring somebody in to cool. help you do updates? Can you bring somebody in to help you stay involved, put you together a schedule, a basic schedule, so you're keeping all this going? Yeah. That schedule is so important because all it is. fulfillment can be the, is the biggest nightmare because whatever it's like any home improvement project, if you think it's going to take you three months, you, well, you better schedule six, and it's actually going to take nine. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have a deck out back that's still not <laughs> yeah. finished, and I started last spring, and this is February. So it'll be oh, over okay. a year. Yeah. Now, I did get yeah. sick in the process, so we can't too but far. But, yeah, so I do that's have that. Some things, things come up, and you think you're going to get this project out to your fans at six months at the latest. but uh, And you don't realize how much some of these things can eat up time, okay? And, and But if you're keeping in touch with people, okay, then they, they don't feel like they're lost out in the wilderness, that you're never going to do it. Oh, and there right. are people out there that have not fulfilled promises, have taken major amounts of money and disappeared. Yes, they have. That, then that's the bad thing about Kickstarter. It's, it's put a little bit of a negative spin. So the more communication, the more involved you can be with people, the much better it's going to be for you. Yeah, the bad stories are few and far between, but they tend to linger in people's memory, you know. Sure, sure. Very well. No, I mean, we had that in comic shops, too. Remember early days of Image? Oh, yes. I do uh -huh. remember... 
way back when waiting one what full did... year between Watchmen number 11 and 12. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's DC. I was thinking of Burn actually called Emmys. What was it? Vapor Comics or uh, Vaporware? Yeah, something like that. Comics that never made it to market but was solicited and actually tied up thousands of dollars of possible income that never came through. It was so, a major problem for comic shops. It was. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you guys consider that. If you're going to reach out to your fans and ask them for money, then you need to complete it. That's just It comes down to follow through, and then on your next project, They'll be there for you. Uh, make sure you keep in communication with them. Keep them updated what's going on. And, uh, you know, give them what they're wanting, what they're expecting from you. But you either have to give them something different, not so different and out there that it's incomprehensible and like, what is this? Okay. But you have to be entertaining. All right. You have to understand you're entertaining people and you either have to create a market for your project or tap into existing markets. Yes. And that's something we're going to talk about uh, in one of our next upcoming podcasts of how can you create a unique product, okay, and, and not just build your own fan base, but how to find other fan bases that you can tap into, other things that are successful. A uh, great example, as we've been talking about, is how Brian Polito tapped into the heavy metal music market and said, I don't care if you've ever read a comic book. I've created the comic books that you're going to enjoy. And made a huge success by that. Okay. Yes. And there are other ways to tap into underserved markets that can help to um, find people that are already fans and guide them to what you are doing. Oh, yeah. There is. Okay. Well, that's enough for today. We could go <laughs> on forever, sir. Oh, okay. we could. Thanks so much. All right. Looking take care, to... Bill. Take care. Bye-bye.